Josh Roll, uh, 42 years old. Um, I've been following Jesus for just over 10 years. And uh, I was raised Catholic my whole life. And uh, I struggled with alcoholism and didn't realize that I struggled with it until I made the decision to try to stop. Uh, and it was at that time, um, I started going to church, uh, not a Catholic church, going to a Christian church. And had uh, the first service I went to was January 2nd, 2011, at this particular church. And so fast forward a few weeks, um, February 20th, I woke up, I got ready for church, and uh, went to Sunday school. A gentleman by the name of Bob Miller taught Sunday school class, and I remember, and left, and it was an upstairs classroom, and I was going down the stairs, and I just had an overwhelming feeling that I needed to ask somebody about giving my life to Christ. Uh, and I'm sure I had heard it hundreds of times, um, but I, I didn't really know what that meant. But I knew it seemed like a big deal. Uh, and so I walked into the auditorium, the associate pastor at the time, Eric, uh, I said, hey man, I need to talk to somebody about giving my life to Jesus. And he says, okay, well, give me your cell phone number and I'll call you later. And I did, and I really thought, man, I thought this was like kind of a big deal, but I guess we're just going to wait till this afternoon. So he leaves and goes and talks to the senior pastor, and then immediately comes back and says, would you like to have that conversation now? And I said, I absolutely would. <clears throat> and so we went back into uh, this little cry room, uh, you know, where mothers and fathers or grandparents can take children that are crying and not a distraction for the congregation, but you can still hear the message. So we're in this cry room and, and Eric asks me, why? Why do you wanna do this? Uh, and uh, I remember saying, I need a savior and I need to be forgiven of my sins. And um, he said, now I can pray you can repeat after me. You can pray however, you know, you want to do this. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was supposed to pray. And I was afraid I was going to mess it up. So I said, if, if you'll pray, I'll just repeat it after you. And, and so we bowed our heads and, and I prayed and I asked the Lord um, into my heart that I would surrender my life and, and live the life that he created me for. Uh, and... Uh, up until that moment, my thoughts were consumed with alcohol and, and just all the, I mean, I struggled with anxiety. I had to take medication for anxiety, called 911 several times because I thought I was dying of a heart attack from anxiety. It was really bad. Um, I used foul language on a normal, everyday, regular basis. Uh, I drank from the time I was 17 until I was 31, and in that moment, all of that was taken away from me, completely removed. And at that moment, I knew that Jesus was there. And well, we can celebrate that story, and Josh, <laughs> the testimony. 
there was Jesus. Amen. I love hearing a story of Jesus and how he transforms our lives. No matter what our past looks like, it can be made new because of Jesus and his work on the cross, but not only his work on the cross, his life and in his resurrection. Amen. I'm so glad again that you're here. Could you do me a favor? We do have first-time guests today. We want to celebrate you, and we just want to put our hands together and welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. And as the lead pastor here, Mikasa is Sukasa, okay? So I hope you uh, have made yourself at home and uh, are experiencing things well. What, what just a wonderful time in worship and a wonderful time um, reflecting on the goodness of God. You know, there's such power in that song. I've got to admit, I was a little late to the There Was Jesus party, all right? I know that song's been out for a while, but it wasn't until somebody close in my life just uh, so resonated with the words of that song. And, um, you know, I got to admit, it may not necessarily be my cup of tea, as I should say. There's just so much power in being reminded again, there was Jesus. You know, all throughout life, we have ups and downs. We have uh, the highs and the lows. And for all of us who have kind of made that step from before Jesus to post Jesus and experiencing his saving work, we can look back and see that we were not forgotten, that we were not forsaken, but we serve a God who was present and with us. And we believe here at Hillside that, listen, God doesn't cause all things to happen. You need to know that about your heavenly father. God doesn't cause all things to happen, but we serve a faithful God who is faithful to work all things together for your good, for all of us called and purposed by his heart. And so, again, we're just going to spend a few moments. I'll, I'll, I'll share the message in one sentence. We are saved from sin and death. So I want you to think about that. We're saved from sin and death. Praise God. Amen. And here's the second half. We are saved for relationship with God. So I want you to think about that. We are saved from, right? So, so God does an incredible work in our lives. We just heard this remarkable story. Jo Josh, what was his statement? I need a what? Savior. And guess what? There was Jesus answering that call. Listen, you can seek salvation. Come on. I don't know if you've ever tested the waters, but you can seek a saving grace. You can seek a balm to the pain of life and the difficulties of life, but you learn very quick that it is not permanent. It is temporary. It can only soothe the pain. There is only one who can save us from our sin, from the sin and the principalities of this world. But here's the second vital piece of that, which sometimes many people lose in the busyness and the difficulties of life. They don't recognize not only saved from sin and death, but saved for relationship. I like to say around here that that's when life gets really good. You didn't realize that all God was selling, so to speak, was a ticket to heaven, you know, all right, well, thanks for saving me. I guess it's good luck from here, you know, like God just pats us on the back, like, hey, do your best, give it your best shot, I'll see you in a 
you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. No, here's the beautiful thing. God actually invites us into a life-giving relationship with him here and now. I love that, that actually just a few years after the resurrection, here's what some of the earliest people recognized, the earliest followers, these early Christians, they realized, hang on a minute, this wasn't just something to be watched or seen or made into a movie that we can experience on Disney Plus right now, by the way. It's not just something to be viewed, that's important. And that's vital, but it's not only something to be viewed, it's actually something to be experienced. That somehow mirrored in the life of Jesus and mirrored in his death on the cross, there's an invitation for each one of us that we would experience the death to our sins and the principalities and powers of darkness. But here's the beautiful thing, that we'd be raised to new life in relationship with God. And Paul, one of Christ's earliest followers, he wrote, this is our portion of scripture for today. It's out of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Paul would write some of these incredibly eloquent words, but they're also simple, and I think they resonate with our hearts today. Paul would say, he's writing to a church, so he kind of he talks how pastors can talk at times. And he's letting them know, this is, this is what you're experiencing. This is who you are. This is how you were wired. And I'm going to share a little bit of the p- pattern or the process that's going on in your life. So Paul writes a letter to this church in Ephesus. And in chapter 2, marked in our Bibles, verse 1, it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Aren't you glad you came to church on Easter Sunday? It's got a little sting to it, but I think the listener knows, hang on a second, that's true. That's true. There's, there's, there's a death that I was living before Christ. And Paul goes on, he says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. Verse 3, it says, all of us also lived them among them at one time. Paul's like, I was there. I'm in. That's my story. He says, we're gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, and we're following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. And then he pivots in verse 4. He says, but because of his great love, For us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Why don't you say that word grace with me? One, two, three. Grace. Grace is the gateway to salvation. You know, sometimes in church world, and uh, I, I have certainly been guilty of this as well, when speaking with somebody, we, we, we put the cart before the horse. You familiar with that passage? And so we want to fix all sorts of problems. We want to fix all sorts of, I mean, you know, come on, let's be honest. You know some mixed up people in your life, amen? 
Not you, but, you know, people around, right? Not, not you. I'm not saying you are. <laughs> and, and sometimes, it, it, this, this doesn't even have to be a spiritual conversation. Sometimes my wife has to elbow me when I'm training up our daughters in some specific ways. I want them to do some specific things. And she's like, keep it simple, Paul. You're going into way too much detail. Just keep it simple. And I think sometimes spiritually we lose the power in simplicity. Grace is where it starts. Grace, the mercy of God. If you're here today and your story resonates with Josh or your story's a little bit different, maybe for you it wasn't alcohol or some other substances, maybe it's just some mistakes you've made in relationship areas or, or, or materialism or any of what we call the idols of the world. You've, you've been giving in yourself to these cravings. Well, sometimes in church world, we're just all trying to fix all those problems. Well, quit this. Stop that. Do this. Here's 16 different books. Amen, somebody. You know I love giving books. You're like, <laughs> I went to Hillside and I left with the library. But here, you know, we just, we just covered everything. Like, like hey, here's, here's 16 steps to deepen your prayer walk. And here's the deal. People, ju- which is good, trust me, okay? If you have a book, 16 steps, that's great. But here's the reality. People need to know there was Jesus. Paul would say, not on your best day. Not on Easter Sunday only, when everything's prepared, your kids are quiet in kids' church, please somebody, you know, and you've got everything covered. Not when you're coming off the back of a good week. But can I tell you, when you are mixed up, fulfilling all the cravings, all the desires of that fleshly, so to speak, life, on your darkest day, in your greatest regret, Jesus died for you. And God is rich in mercy. I like to think of it a little bit like a pantry. I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes you're in awe when you go back to the pantry and you begin to judge and try to figure out. You're like a sleuth trying to figure out who ate all of my snacks. <laughs> and then you realize... Oh, I did. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different story. But sometimes you go to the pantry and it's lacking and you're just like, my golly, my daughters have the same appetite, chocolate, and it's gone. And you're, 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 you're frustrated. You're like, well, let me go out and get more. You know, sometimes people have that perspective about God's grace. That somehow, man, you know, I gave, look, I gave my life to Christ 20 years ago, but man, it's been a downhill battle and I'm so far from God. And they forget the first part of this. Anytime, anywhere, any sin can be covered in the blood of Jesus. No conditions. No conditions. It's the grace. It's the mercy of God. And that's for us personally. We also believe, I mean, there was something mighty. It wasn't just... You and me, when Jesus was on the cross, it was the literal stronghold. The powers of principalities were broken. And God has saved us from death. Like, we don't die. In Christ, we don't die. John chapter 11, Jesus is talking with a lady and he says, Listen, I am the resurrection and life. Those who believe in me will experience the life to come. That's a beautiful promise of God. 
But it's not only, again, it's not only, hey, I've been saved from sin. This is where I really get excited. We are saved for relationship. It's a beautiful picture. You are saved for relationship. I like to think sometimes we have this perspective. We're saved from sin. Now we're in the family of God, but sometimes we can lead with this label of God just tolerates me. Yeah, I'm saved, but he just tolerates me. Like, you know, he kind of keeps me out in the backyard. You know, mowing the grass or something, picking up the dog doo-doo. I don't know. He's, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm invited in once in a blue moon. God just tolerates me on his property in his kingdom. Many people, they live life. They actually, they, they, they're doing their best. They're working their hardest to follow God. They've been saved. They, they made that declaration of faith. But it's like there wasn't a comma. There was a full stop. And so they're stuck in life doing the very best they can, living in their own strength. But can I encourage you, the promise of God is not simply that when you were dead in your transgressions, Jesus saved you and his mercy met you. That is good preaching. But Paul gets even better in my view. As he continues with a few more verses, in verse 6 he says, And God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Here it is again. For it is by grace we've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that none of us can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. One translation would speak, and it, it would be translated this way, for you are God's masterpiece. I love the way that just kind of wrestles inside. Some of us are comfortable just with workmanship. Okay, we're going to do the do. We've got to work. We've got to earn. We've got to... No, you've been set apart. But think of that. You're God's masterpiece. I love the word masterpiece. Here's, here's what it sounds like to me. God actually delights in us. He's not just enduring us. Come on, we've all had that Easter dinner. We're just enduring that one person at the table, somebody. We're just enduring... I am that person. I receive that. Okay, but, we're just, you know, or, or Thanksgiving, whatever that is, we're just, we're just kind of, man, we're tolerating. We're, we're, we're tolerating them, you know, and their bad jokes and their British sense of humor and all these things. We just, you know, we just, we just, we just all right, all right, all right, Dad, slow down. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> My dad's here. <laughs> but know this. God set the table with your name on it. He's put you right next to him. You are his delight. You are his masterpiece. I love a quote that Lisa Bevere, at least that's who I know who quoted it. It says, if you think you can mess up the plans for your life, she says, child, you're not that powerful. Because in light of God's mercy and his goodness, he not only saves you from 
sin. He saves you for relationship. It's a beautiful part of our work here in the kingdom. We call it very simply, our vision as a church is to reach people, right? Saved, grace, be born again. The mercy of God is here now for you. You leave forgiven. That's only one half of the equation. The other half, we call it building lives. Kelly and I have a dream that each person, not only just in our church, but in this region, would experience that abiding relationship with God, that they would know how worth it they were and how much God doesn't just tolerate or endure your presence. He loves you at the table. Like he even loves your jokes. I mean, you have an audience with no one, but you got an audience with God, somebody. That's good preaching right there. That saves some of us. All right. Do you know Mark Twain... Mark Twain said, the two most important dates in your life, your birthday, the day you were born, but he would say even more important, the second most important day of your life is when you not only recognize, hey, I'm alive, but he says, when you find out why you were born. Many people live today. You may be one of them. I have seasons. I have moments where it's just like, I'm alive, and I forget, no, hold on. I am the handiwork of God. I'm a masterpiece. I'm his workmanship. And here it is, created to do good works. God loves you. He delights in you. You're not here by accident. But not only that, you're not created by accident. You may have a life and and all you looking back, you are filled with regret and remorse. And you think, man, there's no way I can have a purpose. So let me encourage you. The writer of these verses encountered God in Christ the first time when he was on his way to murder Christians. At the point when Saul, Paul, when his heart was the farthest away from God. Scripture says in the book of Acts that he actually had papers. He had certificates. Like he had the president's seal, so to speak. Go and accomplish this mission. And he's on this journey from Jerusalem all the way down to Damascus with one thought on his mind. I'm going to shut down this movement. And God encounters him. Jesus says, Paul, stupid. Just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's my trick. He says, Paul, what are you doing? You are killing the very ones I love. And God knew what he had to do. He blinded Paul. I pray that's not your story. But he blinded him, led him into the city, met him up with another Christian, another Christ follower. And Paul realized Okay, I'm not just saved, but God's given me a mission and a purpose. Paul would go on to share the gospel in some of the most um, intolerant cities and areas of the Roman Empire. Now, that may not be your mission, but can I tell you, equally important is your calling, is God's affection and his plan towards you. The second part 
of our time when Josh and I were talking and we captured that testimony. You've heard the saved from, but a beautiful story unfolds just moments later in his journey with Christ. And I love it. It's so real that we're going to play it, and I believe it's going to encourage you. If we can, let's turn our eyes to the screens again. When you're kind of, I, I love that early zeal and the innocence of fresh faith. Yeah. Because there are no inhibitions, at least for me. Like I was, that is all I did. That's all. So <clears throat> up in Indianapolis, um, I was on 10th Street and IU West was a hospital and, and they were doing construction. They were making it a two lane or a four lane instead of a two lane, like a, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so I'm in my work truck, stuck in traffic, and I got K-Love on, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, listening yeah. to K-Love, Matthew West, right? Yes. And uh, I glanced up in the side, rear, side mirror, this lady in front of me, her mouth is moving to these words. That's on K-Love. And I'm like, she's saying K-Love. So I pull up next to her and roll down my window, and she, I said, you know, roll down your window, right? And she rolls down her window and I said, hey, are you listening to K-Love? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, awesome, praise God, that's amazing. You know, like I'm this fresh Jesus follower who is just jazzed up, right? And so I said, have a blessed day, whatever. And you can tell she's just like, what a weirdo, <laughs> right? And so I get back in line and, and we move a little bit and stop and move a little bit and stop. And then so she rolls down her window and waves me up like this. Okay. So I pull back up to her car and she was like, hey, this is probably really weird. She was like, I'm on my way to IU West for an interview. Would you mind following me over there and praying for me? Get and I said, absolutely. So I pulled in with this woman to IU West we get out of my, I get out of my truck, she gets out of her car. I prayed for her. Um, she told me that she's an alcoholic and is struggling to get her life back together. And I told her my testimony, right? A list a short bit, because at that time, I'm like maybe three, four weeks into it. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, no, God delivered me from alcohol and he can do the same for you, da, 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 da. We didn't exchange names. I didn't know who she was, nothing. I left that day. I was just excited I got to pray with somebody. Like, that was awesome, right? Okay, so fast forward. Um, I, I was going over to, close to by where I lived, there was apartment complexes. It was called Manchester Village, right? And I had an order to hook up internet for a customer, right? Just a normal everyday thing, knock on the door. Um, open the door, guess who it was? That woman that I prayed for, she saw me, tears filled up in her eyes, and she said, wait right there. She goes back in her bedroom, comes back with her nine-month sober chip, and she got that job. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, bro. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you. Isn't that great? Oh, man. That's like, unreal. Like, those are the God winks yeah. that you call... He's, he winks all the time. If, if our eyes are fixed on him, yeah. I mean, he's always winking. Amen. Amen. That is. 
I had this thought, I'm glad they weren't filming me and my reaction, just him. Man, what a moving story. But I want you, I want you to think about that. God's up to so much good. God doesn't just move in our lives just for us. But he values you in your job, in your marriage, in your dating life, in your friendships, in your workplace. The book of Acts is a book of stories, <laughs> very much like what Josh said. But I tell you this, it's not a book that's only 2,000 years ago. The book of Acts, if you will, continues today in and through our lives. And sometimes the word purpose can be a bit daunting. So much so that we think, well, when I get around to it, I'm going to fulfill God's calling or God's purpose. Can I tell you? Right here, right now, with all you have, you can begin to fulfill God's purpose and plan for your life. Notice, Josh didn't say, you know what? I, I, after being saved, I went back to the church to get ordained, to get my license uh, you know, for ministry, and then to, I changed careers. I changed. Can I tell you? No. If you've never heard me say this, hear me loud and clear. God is up to far more outside of these four walls than inside of these four walls. He is. He is. Now, hey, we're all about that as a church. Come on. Come on. Bring your friends. Well, don't grab your friends. Invite your friends, right? Come and see. We want to be like the followers. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see Jesus. Come and know. But can I tell you, as we leave today, know this, that you've been commissioned by God. If you follow Jesus, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't even have to be listening to Caleb, somebody. It helps. It helps. I will say but can I tell you, all God needs is a surrendered heart. All God needs is somebody available. Notice, I love just, Josh, again, thank you for that testimony and just the willingness to share. But I love the transparency of the difficulty and the consequences of that life. But also the vulnerability and the confidence, not in his own strength, but in who God is. That three, four weeks in, he's just living life, just loving God, caring about it. He didn't change careers. He didn't, he didn't move or try to fix everything. He let God do his glorious work in his life, and all he did was live available. Can I tell you, let's be honest, we're here because we were available. Some of you are like, no, I just came to visit for Easter dinner. I get that. I get that. But they manipulated you into coming, somebody. No, okay. But I mean this. I really, I, there, there were two parts of this message. Be, be saved from sin, but also be confident. Be confident in who God's called you to be. Don't downplay your identity. Don't downplay your role. Don't let shame have a louder voice than the truth and the hope that's found in God. The church globally needs your voice, needs your witness, needs you to wake up every day on purpose, with a purpose. You don't necessarily have to have that same personality like, I'm not going to look across the person in the car next to me. No, let Josh be Josh. You be you, amen? But be bold. Be courageous. The gospel is still good news. We have a Savior who not only died, but he rose again. And can I tell you, all 
around the world today, he's raising the dead to life. And Paul, in these powerful passages, he's not simply talking about a physical death, obviously. He's talking about the spirit side of us. The side of us that I think you know by now, the eternal part of you. In one of the Old Testament books, we're not going to go there, I'm not going to share on it. One of the writers had, I believe, the inspiration from the Holy Spirit, from God himself to write these words, that God set eternity in the hearts of humanity. And God wants you. He loves you. And he's calling you to live a life surrendered, forgiven, knowing the goodness of his mercy. Last week, my family, we went to um, St. Louis overnight. And uh, we, before you ask, we did the zoo, okay? It was awesome. We had, we had a great time. But we went to the arch and visited the museum down there. And, uh, you know, we just, I slow rolled through it. And I was looking at a date and, a, and something that happened in that area when America purchased what's called the Louisiana Purchase. And all of St. Louis went to bed <laughs> on March 9th, 1804, and they were part of the Louisiana region. They went to bed French, and it was signed, and the deed delivered, they woke up American. That's a, well, for me, that's a good deal. I'm from another country, so our immigration process was not as easy as that. But can I tell you, it just so sparked within me, that really is what happens to you and I. For Josh, all, all those 10 years ago, came into church, felt a longing in his heart, knew he needed a Savior. God saved him. His clothes looked the same. His hair looked the same. In some ways, his expression was different. He was very much the same being on earth. But his eternity changed forever. He was no longer just the citizen of the United States, but his true identity was placed, that he was now a citizen of heaven. It's wild. It's radical. It's a breath and a, God, I believe. I trust. I surrender. Forgive me. And it changes the course of our eternity and our life here on earth forever. I want to give you that invitation now. I want to invite you just to close your eyes, to bow your heads. And in a moment like this, just as 10 years ago, Josh made that prayer. You know what he found on the other side of that prayer? He didn't find judgment. He didn't find fear. He didn't find anxiety. He found Jesus with his arms wide open, the mercy of God inviting him home. And for the first time in his life, he heard in his spirit, man, you are my son and I love you. Can I tell you, that's our experience of being born again, that we're welcomed into the family of God. It can happen in this moment. I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. God, I need you. I need the mercy of heaven. I need your forgiveness. 
forgive me of my sins. I give you my past. I trust you with my present. And I surrender my future to you, God. Jesus, I thank you for your death on the cross that you have taken away my sin and shame. And I thank you for your spirit that fills me now with hope and a future. God, I choose you. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, we want to celebrate. Come on, let's put our hands together. For all those who made that decision to follow Jesus.